Hello and welcome to the Loyalty Map, the podcast from InfoEdge. Today's episode is a great showcase of customer experience technology used in the healthcare space. Hello, I'm Daniel and I'm a consultant at InfoEdge and I'll be one of your co-hosts. My name is Carolina and I'm your co-host as well. I'm a director of customer experience here at InfoEdge. And so for our first episode, we had a very special guest, Nico Arsino, Head of Strategic Partnership at Kaiser Permanente. Nico, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you could tell us, how did you get to where you are? Can you tell us in just one or two minutes, what's your background? Yeah, sure. So I've been with KP quite a a while, for 25 years now. I started off as a paramedic, uh, wanting to become an emergency room physician. And Kaiser Permanente, I found it by accident, to be honest. Uh, It it was just down the the stairs from my flat. So I thought, what better way to get to the office or to to work on time and also um, get some real hands-on experience of what it would be like to be an emergency room physician. Um, you know, quickly after I started working there, I realized um, just how difficult the ER is, right? It's a, it's a chaotic environment. You know, the, I think logistics and, and knowing where patients are um, was, was always something that, you know, we were trying to organize and, 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 and work so that we could actually have the information ready for the physicians and nurses. And my hobby, you know, was, was computers and technology. And I quickly started using that as a way to redesign the workflow. And I got the attention of the, the doctors and the nurses and eventually the IT director who offered me a job and that changed my career path from being a, a, a physician or you know a care provider to a technologist using using it to actually improve the care delivery process and so I've, I've led operations I've led uh, digital health strategy and I've uh, done project management and engineering for wireless at KP and now I'm doing strategic partnerships. Wow very interesting I actually used to work in the ER too so I can understand how hectic that is. So I also understand that you work with the innovation team at Kaiser Permanente. Is that right? I do, yeah. Uh, very often. Uh, then we have a few of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Could you break down what the innovation team is and what the process is like over at Kaiser? Sure. So th- there's, there's um, we, you know, innovation happens in, in many places in a large organization. You know, it happens on the clinical side, it happens on the business health plan side. Um, and it, help, it happens within IT as well. And we are all supporting and working together to, to, you know, to create innovative processes, whether it's at the front of a design using human-centered design or design thinking to what my, me and my team do, which is with partnerships directly and looking at what's the problems that we're trying to solve internally and meeting, you know, consistently around uh, at the national level as well as the regional level, what, what, are, what are the strategic initiatives? What are those things that, that, that need support from a technology perspective? And then working externally with, uh, technology companies, big and small, um, understanding, and this is more on the research and development side or collaboration side, where they might have something that, if applied and, and working with KP, um, and with the mutually defined you know, interest and sponsorship, actually creates something that, that we haven't done before. And so we, we have a you know, methodology at KP that creates our funnel for collaborations and that leads to innovative solutions. Uh, those are talking, exploring, investigating, and preparing for adoption. Talking really is that that informal discussion with these external partners that I was speaking to, and how we scope potential collaborations opportunities based on the problems that we are trying to solve, and that's when we get into that exploring part. That that's that's the discovery definition and where ideation happens. You know, we want to confirm and define the value proposition of this relationship. We do scoping, project design, ensure we have the right resources and stakeholders, and and, and most importantly, the sponsorship. 
And this is to ensure that we can actually spread or scale something with every effort that we want to do. Um, it's, you know, whether you call it crossing the OGAP or operationalization, we are wanting to create solutions that can scale at KP because innovation even incrementally can be huge for, for healthcare. So that moves to investigating. That's really what we call a pilot phase. That's where we're testing um, these thesis or, uh, you know, these collaborations and having larger discussions about wider adoption, ensuring that what we said we would do actually is happening and the metrics are actually proving that to be. And we're, it usually goes into starting to become a business case where we then move into preparing to adoption. And that's that's where you scale to an entire region or across KP, and and we work to actually hand that off to our operational teams. Oh yeah. So um, speaking about the partnership, in January of this year, there was this big announcement during the opening keynote for CES, when Samsung actually declared this decade to be the age of experience. Uh, it looked to me like we are doubling down on the customer experience technologies. And I was very thrilled to learn that as part of their human-centric innovation approach, we're showcasing the partnership they have with KP around personalized care solutions. As you may know, wearable-based healthcare is one of my favorite topics in the whole world. So uh, we'd love to dive deep into this virtual cardiac rehab program you have going on with Samsung. Um, Nico, could you break it down for us? Glad to, yes. And it's, it's been a great partnership with, 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 with Samsung that began, at, you know, since 2018. So it's been a couple of years in earnest that we've been working on this. And, and cardiovascular disease is, is one of the leading causes of death worldwide. Over a million people suffer from heart attacks every year, and of those, 20% will pass away within a year. So cardiac rehab is a program, um, an, an intervention that reduces the risk of dying from a subsequent attack by nearly 30%. Traditional rehab programs require in-visits to a hospital or clinic. Patients who do enroll in these programs, on average, don't complete the program 50% of the time. So, you know, we at KP asked ourselves, what if we could directly bring that care to our members in a more convenient and personalized way, what would that look like? And what, what if we could develop an experience that used mobile wearables and a secure dashboard monitored by clinicians? What would that be for, for our members, right? What, what could that do? Uh, and... And that's what we did. In partnership with Samsung, we created a home-based virtual cardiac rehab program that's called HeartWise. Uh, HeartWise is now the largest home-based virtual cardiac rehab program in the world. And it, we're already exploring new additional opportunities in pulmonary rehab and mental rehab applications as a result of, of success of it. Wow, that's, that's very cool. So can you like, maybe talk a little bit more about what was the patient experience before the program and what, it is, what does it look like right now? Sure, sure. So, mo like I said, most of these programs are in person, and some are monitored, uh, you know, done by a third party or at, at one of our facilities. And it really was either paper-based or phone-based, um, where you would get, you know, engaged, and then you would have to travel to the site. And that's where a lot of the times, you know, it, it's either inconvenient. Um, we're asking our members to, you know, take, you know, time out of their busy lives to to come in for a program, and that's where we saw the only 50% completion rate. Um, what we change it and what's different about the, the experience now is that, you know, with a wearable, a watch that, that's been designed specifically to and targeted just for the exercise and the connection and the alerts um, and, the, um, and the, the engagement that we bring to that, as well as the mobile app um, to perform the exercise. And the design of this program is actually over seven to eight weeks where you actually go through the program with the care manager and your, your physician or your cardiologist, and they're all monitoring this from a, a secure clinician dashboard. 
where we can actually engage with you, see your progress, see if you've done your exercise, um, continue to provide that encouragement and that engagement. And it's because of that and those things collectively that we've seen uh, completion rates now at over 80%. And so, so that's, that's where we moved, you know, from 50% completion rates to over 80% with, with more access to more members now that require it within KP. And the way that we've been measuring that is that, um, is most importantly by life saved, because I think that's the, the, the most important thing. But we've also seen a, a shrink in, um, in our readmission rates where traditionally in those in-person visits are 15%. We've reduced that now down to less than 2%. Oh, wow. Impressive. Impressive. And can you talk a little bit more about, so I understand that uh, the medical staff previously needed to reach out. Um, maybe you can tell how frequently, and I guess you, you mentioned it's, it was via the phone or, or paper. Uh, so how did the program actually change the, the, uh, the experience of your, of your medical staff? Sure. Yeah. Two ways. One, you, you know, the paper base was how the patients recorded their exercise. And then they would um, review that with their cardiologist or their care manager over the phone, right? Just to say, here's my progress. And that, in addition to coming into the exercises and, and you know, the, the different methodologies before for, for the um, in-person visits. Um, and now it's virtual. So they, every time that they start an exercise, they actually execute that on the, you know, on the watch. And it's recorded onto the app and then sent directly to the, to the dashboard. So these programs of exercise, you know, cool down what you need to do, how much, how much you do every day from an exertion standpoint to keep yourself healthy. It's all recorded and sent to the, to the care manager. So we're constantly being able to see what that is day over day and week over week through, through the course of the program. And so that, that is a different way of being able to then not us having to call and not them having to record anything. Everything's automatically documented and, and, and incorporated into their, to, to their health record. I think the, the, the bigger change, uh, the second part of that change was, was really the operational change. Like, what does it look like now to be onboarded? Uh, what does it look like to actually create a program where, you know, the technology is, 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 is being delivered um, in a way that actually makes sense for these new, and we actually created a new role for our care manager to directly manage and onboard these patients and check in with them. And then how is that coordination then done with their cardiologists as well? So I think that that part of uh, the human-centered design part of it, we did a, a lot of shadowing and a lot of patient interviews to get to the right experience from the patient all the way to to the care providers. Mm-hmm. Okay, very very interesting. Um, so you mentioned those really great results when it comes to saving lives uh, and uh, low readmissions. So my assumption is that uh, you build the program, you design a program with pretty much like long-term engagement uh, in mind to form new habitual use. Uh, and, you know, we're all just humans. So for instance, it does happen to me very frequently that I pick up something new and then I, you know, a few months in, I drop it off after the initial period. I'd love to learn what, how did the Kaiser together with uh, Samsung uh, design this program to actually maintain this long-term engagement, engagement and habitual use. Well, so it, it is, um, I think there's, the one thing I would say is that it is it's just a seven to eight week program, right? Where you 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 have a start date and you have an end date, and the the literature and this is a you know a program that's by the American Heart Association, so it's a standard protocol that's out there that that we have adopted now, and it and it, and it works for them. It's you know it's a, instead of a, a medication, it's really a program, and if you take if you do this program, it's, it's completed successfully, you know the 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 likelihood of chance 
you know, is dropped significantly of you having another, you know, life event like a heart attack. So, you know, we we really wanted to focus on what that engagement for that program is to get to that graduation, that completion rate and keeping that high. What that does do with that engagement is actually it changes behaviors of our members right in their, in their daily lives going forward. So keeping that consistent exercise, thinking about their total health as a part of that is what prevents the heart attack or potential for a future heart attack. I think, you know, during during the, the interviews and getting the sense of what worked and what didn't, we did a, a did you know, at least two large scale pilots in Southern California. And it was through that process of, you know, what is the right way to trigger a notification? What is the right uh, app interaction, both on the watch and, and the mobile device? What's the right way for the clinicians to, to receive the information so that they're they're able to monitor and track? And then if, they're, if they see an anomaly or anything that uh, that needs to be checked on, they can actually reach out to the member and make sure that they're okay. So. A lot of that went into the, the design through those two pilots, and that's what created um, what what the program is today. And it's still evolving. I mean, you know, as you can imagine, uh, what one region like Southern California versus, you know, another uh, on the East Coast could be very different just in their geography and how they're mapping and operations. Uh, but but we're taking that all into consideration, and that's the, the where I talked about moving into operations, uh, preparing for adoption. We we work both with Samsung as well as with our internal partners to develop and mature the product over time. No, this is really fascinating. The results seem to speak for themselves. This is a really successful program. Do you have any plans to expand what you have right now with Samsung? Because I can see how these, this kind of wearable exercise-based program that you have could be useful for other applications, such as diabetes management. Yeah, we are starting to look at different um, opportunities as we mature the wearable space and how a consumer-based product can actually be good enough, right, for the care of our members. It's not a, you know, it's not an FDA-approved device, but it is something that we can leverage um, to to maintain or manage uh, a condition. And and the, the other areas that we're looking at are pulmonary rehab, similar to cardiac rehab, that you know, someone who has asthma or COPD. They, it's a different type of condition, so we're we're starting to think about how would a rehab program um, on the same platform, using still wearables and you know uh, a mobile app, how would that how would that actually work with that cohort of, of people with that condition? We're also looking at mental health um, and then other cardiac conditions like AFib. So across down the you know down the road, we'll, we'll start to tease out how that could look with with Samsung, but they've been a great partner in helping us develop them. We'll see we'll see where that goes. Yeah, very cool. Um, you were mentioning about the pilots and, you know, you already have several thousands of people graduating from, from the program. Can you talk a little bit more about what was the response of a patient graduating from, from those programs or response from the patients during the, the pilot phase that you dive deep into understanding their experiences? Sure. Well, I think that's one of the most rewarding things of, of this collaboration of this program is, is when, you know, at the beginning of building that when we were doing a lot of the patient interviews and understanding it, it was, you know, hearing directly from them as we met with them, how, how much they felt that Kaiser Permanente was there for them, um, meeting them where they were at, um, you know, caring about their total health and their lives, right? So, uh, trying to save their lives. And they really took it to heart. And, and I think they, they helped us tremendously develop a great product, but, you know, it was, it was hearing directly from them what what we were doing to 
make it easy and convenient for them in a personalized way that, that I think was probably one of the best um, experience I could ever have at KP. It, it actually takes me all the way back to what I was trying to do when I first started, when I flipped from, you know, wanting to be a doctor to, uh, you know, changing the workflow with technology. The technology that I wanted then is now here and we're actually, I'm actually doing that for our members. So that, that part's very rewarding. Wow. Impressive. Impressive. Um, so I understand the whole program was actually designed prior to COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and it seems to me it was fully virtual to begin with. Were there any parts of the program that you actually need to change to adapt to current uh, pandemic situation? Yeah, for sure. Well, there is. So that, that onboarding part has been the first, you know, you actually still have to go to the clinic and you still have to meet with your care manager, get in the introduction once you're enrolled into the program. And we've had to actually change that because of COVID-19. Doing that virtually, we, you know, that became a shift in what, how we were providing that, the whole setup in the first, you know, testing of the app, walking them through that, the education. That's the whole onboarding piece that has moved to 100% virtual now at this time. I, I think there are some interesting things which I'm, I'm, I'm sure across the board as, you know, we're being, this behavior is being forced on all of us, whether it's working from home or as a patient uh, interacting with your, your, you know, your health system or your doctor um, in all the different channels. I think that, uh, you know, we are adapting to that in, in different ways. And I think uh, there's still a lot to learn on what's the best way to, to engage, especially like an onboarding experience like that. The good news is that um, even even with that, we're seeing the same measurements and, and metrics being achieved from a, a completion rate. So they're, they're still finding it valuable, and uh, we're able to you know use the right channels now just to communicate with them, whether it's uh, you know through a chat with your doctor or through the telemedicine or you know the tele televideo visit. I mean, you know, the whole world is upside down these days. So uh, I guess from what I'm hearing, the program was pretty well suited uh, for for this current situation. Prior and this onboarding piece, uh, I assume, is as much as it is critical. It's uh, uh, if, if you had the virtual first uh, design in mind when creating the program. I guess the, the onboarding piece is, is something you can uh, take care of easily as well. Yeah, and those were the things that we always considered from a logistics standpoint at the beginning. To your point. I mean, trying to get um, direct to consumer in a sense of getting the wearable and the technology, making it as easy as possible to, to receive it right at your house, open it up, put it on, and, and then have the right tools just to learn that. So we, in, from our roadmap perspective, we are already going that direction. I think this is landed right in front of us, of all of us, to um, actually adopt that a little quicker. So it's, 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 um, we're adapting to it, and it's working. Yeah, I understand that Kaiser is always looking forward and looking for new ways to help with their customers and their patients and providing innovative healthcare. Has COVID-19 in any way accelerated any virtual change or programs that may have been pushed forward in that space due to the need to have more at-home care? Well, overall, I think healthcare has had to, to flip to that. And I think, you know, you probably, as much as I've seen, um, every organization have to, you know, move to uh to a virtual environment. I, we have been uh, leading, I think, in, in, in telemedicine vis visits for, for a very long time. Um, we have, have our own system that we've been seeing patients pre-COVID. Uh, you know, now uh, in the midst of this, we've had to grow capacity, you know, thousands of percent, you know, compared to what we were doing before. So it's been a, it's been a big shift. And I think we, you know, the, we, we've integrated a bot into our kip.org and mobile website, uh, sorry, kip.org and mobile. 
we've added uh, telemedicine videos um, capacity, you know, for 100%. I think 90% of our visits now are all tele, tele, telehealth visits. Um, that includes e-visits or chatting with your doctor. So different modalities um, across the board have been implemented as a result of COVID. So just just to give uh, our listeners an overview, and of course, Kaiser has, you know, enormous scale, millions of members, patients, right? But I would like to understand just to just to give a perspective. So how long actually did it take more or less to create this program and how many different stakeholders internally did you need to um, talk to to actually make this all happen? Sure. So relationships take you know, some time to begin with. I think one uh, with the, the size of Samsung, the size of KP, uh, really understanding what we were trying to come together for. Um, I think back, you know, when we started, it was, um, I would say, end to end, it's about, uh, you know, a good, a good, you know, six months to build a, a solid relationship to a year. And that's still ongoing. It doesn't really stop. Um, and then there's the time to, you know, contract and the time to do the actual pilot, which can be, you know, we try to move very quickly around that, um, you know, in, 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 I would say in quarters, um, we always try to do things within no more than two years to get to production. I think that's a, a you know, which sounds like a long time, but that, you know, the time to develop a, a, a great prototype or, you know, an MVP a minimal bio product product to actually test in an environment takes, takes some time and you want to actually be able to validate that. Uh, and then, you have to do the in parallel do the the design thinking in the shadow the the workflow right looking at um what the the clinical workflow looks like and how this is going to work um within the the care team and then also how is that going to connect outwardly to your 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 patient or your member so i I think you know generally between one to two years is around the the right time frame uh, of getting it from beginning uh from the partnership engagement to the the ability to validate that you've actually produced something that is meaningful or valuable to both the, the care team and the patient. Yeah, I would actually say one or two years in healthcare space, this is pretty aggressive or or maybe not aggressive, but definitely very, very efficient time-wise because uh, in the end you are dealing with someone's life, right? You can't, you can't it's not just pushing software. So uh, it's actually very, very efficient, I'd say. Congrats on that. Thank you. So uh, just to finish it, I have we have one more question to you. Um, you've been in your role uh, and at Kaiser Permanente in this situation pretty much for, for quite a while now. So from your years of experience, what would be the one or two pieces of advice you would give to young professional coming to this space that want to make a difference in, uh, in using innovation uh, in healthcare? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I think the, the number one thing is relationships. You know, from day one, you have to build them. It really takes um, partners internally to get things done in any organization, especially in healthcare. You know, knowing, getting out in the front lines, right? Nothing really happens in the office. It's an old like product management thing. You you really need to get out there and understand the clinical workflow. I I learned it on the job as you know when I was starting off in my career, and I I do think you know being there in the clinical environment really has given me an advantage of of understanding what it takes within you know the operational teams and what they do day in and day out. Um, you know, adding in a click or two to somebody could, is time, and you know you have to really think about what that means to them and why should they do that. Uh, you put yourself in their shoes. You know, and see and see how that's going to truly make a difference or not. You know, it's not just about the technology; it's really about how you're able to integrate that. And it takes a lot of design and, and thinking and 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 really shadowing to understand is that is that thing that technology that you're going to implement to that 
person or to that team or to that facility going to do what you think it's going to do. So, you know, you really, you know, understanding the problem you're trying to solve is paramount. It's very, it's very easy to get caught up in the technology. So I would, I would recommend those things from, from day one, just really start to, to build out your, you know, who, who, who are your, your go-tos, right? What are the relationships that you have? Um, you know, who are going to be the sponsors for the work that you're going to do? Um, really, truly understanding that problem and, 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 and getting deep into the weeds of it. And I think when you do that, you, you'll find out that many times there's, there's more than what you thought there would be. And, and that will make a better product or a better solution that will actually solve the problem. Um, Nico, I know you're very, very busy. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if our listeners want to connect with you, where, where can they find you? Can they find you on LinkedIn and connect her? What's, what's the best way? Yeah, it's a perfect place. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Be happy to talk to you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to The Loyalty Map, a podcast from InfoEdge. If you'd like to hear more, please make sure to subscribe. See you next time.